0: You're listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast with your hosts, Attorney Dan Mayer and Licensed Counselor, Melissa Westner. Dan is not your attorney and Melissa is not your therapist, but they're here to help you cross your T's and dot your I's as they talk about all the things you wish you had learned in grad school. And now, here are your hosts.
1: Hi there and welcome back. Today, Dan and I are talking about what to do if you're notified Of a board complaint that has been filed against you. Now, in listening to this today, it's possible that you fall into one of two camps. You might be the person who thinks, I don't really need to worry about a board complaint. The chance of that happening to me are slim. I'm not doing anything that would warrant a board complaint. Or you might be the person who's already getting anxious thinking about it, that you do think about this, it makes you nervous, and you try to plan really well to make sure that you're doing all of the things so that this doesn't happen. Regardless of the camp you're in, we hope you'll hang out with us for this really important topic. At this point, I know several people who have personally experienced board complaints, and we want to make sure that you know what to do if ever that happens to you. Fortunately, we also have Dan here, and helping mental health practitioners navigate board complaints is something that he is very familiar with.
2: Yeah, so on our last episode, we talked about uh, what, you know, the processes, you know, when you receive notification that you're going to get you, you you may get one. And we, we talked very, very briefly about the emotional impact that sometimes that can have when you get that letter, you know? And so to that point, I would just say, you know, it is, um, it is stressful. Um, I know that, um, my only personal experience I do occasionally will be in my office or, you know, by email, I'll get something that says, You know, someone uh, usually involving a lot of exclamation points is someone saying, Hey, see the attached or help me, something like that. And, uh, you know, just to give you an example of how prevalent, not how prevalent, but how this can happen, it can happen to even the best meaning practitioner. Um, I've had practitioners who have gotten board action, board complaints, um, board investigations when they haven't done anything wrong per se. Um, It's just that something's come to the attention of the board. And all of a sudden, an investigation launched. Ultimately, in the case of the clients that, I, that I'm talking about, uh, the scenarios I'm talking about, it was able to be resolved pretty quickly and it went away. But that did not stop or <laughs> prevent the initial horror, stress, anxiety that was caused. Particularly the other thing that, that really kind of heightens, um, I think, the, the anxiety that can come with when you get a board complaint is that it is not something that's like, you, you get it, you, re, you answer it, and it goes away. There is, and we mentioned this last time, there are times where it can be a long period of silence. You know, There can be a long period where it takes to get things resolved to the point where this is resolved and goes away. And that means that in the course of your daily life and running your practice, you have this hanging over your head. That's a lot of baggage. That's a lot of stress that could be added to already the stress of having to run, you know, when you're running your own practice.
1: I'm sitting here you know. clenching my jaw just thinking about it.
2: Right. And we know it. Now, I always say, you know, I don't know if, if linguists would, would agree with me, but I always say to people that I always point out there is a difference between being afraid and scared. Okay. Now, people may say they're the exact same word, but I, in my mind, I separate the two. And the reason I separate the two is I, and and I've told people this before, other people this before. I've said it's okay to be scared. Okay. It's not okay to be afraid and not do something about it, be paralyzed by your fear. Okay. It is okay to be scared. Right. But that doesn't excuse you from your responsibilities or confronting a situation or handling a situation if it comes up. Right. And so when you get a board complaint, it is essential. That you take it seriously, obviously, but that also you address it, you answer it, you resolve, you know, you you do whatever you need to do to respond. We mentioned this on the last episode. The board, the state boards, licensing boards in all fifty states are considered part of the state uh, infrastructure, state organizational, um, and therefore HIPAA does say that they are an administrative agency, and they can request by subpoena and if you don't answer them they will demand it that you they can request certain information they can request file access to client files and and they can order you by subpoena to turn those over and you will do so you know the end result of not cooperating is you will not be practicing anymore now that's an extreme you know situation and there's a lot of things that would have to happen before that would come about our goal for you and your goal in general should be that if you ever do get a board complaint the best thing you can do is to work with them, to answer their questions, to respond timely. Okay?
1: And we're going to make sure that you know what to do if ever this happens to you.
2: Right. So let's talk about how to handle it, right? You go to your mail, you open up the box, or you come in your office, and right there is a little you know, white envelope, or maybe it's a different color envelope, and in the corner, or it says, you realize it's from your state licensing board. And at that moment, your heart hits the floor and you probably get dizzy and your hands get sweaty, right? You open it up and sure enough, it's a subpoena or maybe it's a some sort of notice that there's a complaint or whatever it is. So as I said, the first thing to know is that most likely um, you are going to have to respond, right? They are an entity that can compel you to do so. What I tell clients is if you get some sort of notice or complaint or other Board investigation. You should probably consult with an attorney. Now, that attorney, you may not need that attorney to necessarily be working with you on the entire process. Sometimes maybe you do. Sometimes maybe you don't. They can make that determination along with you. But the reason you really should consult with an attorney initially is because you're, I'm sure you will agree, uh, are not a uh, as schooled, let's say, in in everything and how what the procedures are, what the rules are. You want to make sure you're not missing anything. So talking to an attorney who can look at the document, determine what it is, and determine what needs to happen can be invaluable. Okay? Yeah.
1: And you might also want to let your professional liability insurance company know. They might really like to know that as well.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. At this point in the, in, in, the, in the process, meeting with an attorney, advising your licensing, uh, your uh, 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 malpractice, um, it's just, these are just steps to take. Right, the attorney is going to sit with you, just review what you have, and they can make a determination about what needs to happen. Okay. One thing I always point out to practitioners to remember, and I mentioned this on the last episode. The licensing boards are, in my opinion, are the good guys. Okay. They're not out to unnecessarily harass you. Right. The normal, the average and most practitioners are absolutely trying their best to do their best to provide for the clients the best they can. So The licensing boards are looking at things as saying, hey, look, our job is to make sure that we are doing our best by the public. We want to make sure that the people who are practicing therapy, providing mental health services are doing it the right way so it doesn't reflect badly for the rest of us. Okay, so they're just doing their job. I gave the example of the police officer pulling me over on last episode. I want to remind you of that again. They're just doing their job. So remember that if you truly believe that you have done nothing wrong, right? then that's a you know legitimate position to take. It's in your best interest to then comply, to respond to them. What I always say is do not piss them off. <laughs> you are entitled to fair treatment. Uh, and you're, you're entitled to process. You're entitled to having your say, to, to be able to tell your side of things. But it's really important at this, conge- you know, this point that you're aware of what's happening, what's being stated, what's being requested of you. And that's, again, where an attorney can help. Now, I often have this conversation with clients when they've come to me and they say, I have a complaint or I have an investigation and I look at the documents and I figure out what's going on, I will say to them, I said, you know, just out of my own due diligence, I'm going to ask you a straight question right now. What did you do? And they're like, I didn't do anything. Ah, great. But I have that, what I call the come to Jesus talk with them in that moment. And I say, if there's something you need to tell me, there's something that you know that you didn't do or that you did do and you shouldn't have, this is the time to tell me because now I need to know that if I'm going to represent you, I need to know that if I'm going to work with you because the licensing board is likely going to find out if they don't already know they can, like I said, they can subpoena your records. They can quickly find out if you have been documenting the records properly. They can find out if you have been making sure you're signing off on your records, locking them, making sure that when you are billing insurance, or things that you are claiming you did that you actually did, that's in the file reflecting that. They have the power of said, as I said, subpoena. Okay. Can't help so, if
1: you don't yeah. have all the information.
2: No, exactly. Right. So I always say it's time to be real here. Doesn't necessarily mean, you know, we mentioned this on the last episode that you've done anything wrong, right? There are times where a client or someone else could file a complaint and it'll turn out not to have merit and will get dismissed. But if in the back of your head, if you're in your heart of the heart, if you know. If you have not done something right or you did something wrong or you know why that is that the client issued a complaint, you know, filed a complaint against you, and you you're like, yeah, deep down inside, you know that there's probably some validity to that. That's the conversation you need to be able to have, be able to have with your attorney. You cannot lie to them. Your attorney has a client attorney client privilege. So, you know, what you tell them is 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 privileged. Privileged information, but you have to be honest with yourself and you have to be honest with them if you're going to be able to formulate a proper defense and formulate a proper strategy and how to respond because it is serious. It is scary. I understand that. It is serious. It does have the potential to impact your ability to practice. And the goal for you, you know, it's particularly, like I said, for the majority of you who in most cases haven't done anything wrong, Your goal is to get this resolved so you can move on with your life and continue to practice. Now, a couple things that I've seen that always make me cringe. I've had clients come in and they'll say, okay, this is what's going on. I preemptively tried to go back in and I made changes to the file or did this and I did that. I'm like, stop immediately. Because what you need to understand is when you get notice of an audit or if you get notice of um, a subpoena or you get notice of a complaint and we think that those records are going to get uh, requested, especially if they're electronic health records. They document when you've been in that file and when you've made changes. And we and just by nature of the fact that if you get something that's dated on the 20th and then on the 21st, you go back in and now the, rec- the electronic record is showing that you're making changes, that looks pretty suspicious. That looks like you're trying to cover your tracks, like you're trying to try- cover yourself. That's very risky, right? That raises some suspicions. That could raise some red flags that could cause the exp- uh, investigation to expand further because now they're like, well, why are you going back in and changing it once you got noticed that we were asking for these files? So d- again, it's so important that the m- first thing you do, as Melissa said, is contact your malpractice. The next thing you do is you talk to an attorney, have someone who can look at the document and figure out what's going on and help you figure out what's going to happen. Okay.
1: And I'm curious, Dan, I don't know if you can speak to your experience. I'm curious in your experience working with providers, if the majority of the people that you're working with are still working with the client, not working with that client when those reports are made. And if you have any feedback there, perhaps Mm -hmm. when there's um, someone who's actively still working with you.
2: That's a great question. Obviously, if a client a therapy client, that was a board complaint against you. That is not exactly conducive to continuing the therapeutic relationship, right? Just as a side note, I'll give you an example on the flip side of things. You know, I often have a conversation with with therapists. um, Sometimes issues with billing will come up and they'll say something along the lines of, I want to send this person to collections. I'm like, really? Why? This is the person who's put their trust in you, who's confiding you in confidential information, and now you're about to turn that relationship adversarial. There is no quicker way to piss someone off and get a board complaint than if you try to go after them through collections because they didn't pay you. Okay. On the, on the reverse side, and back to our, our current topic, you know, just like that can poison the therapeutic relationship, I understand from a practitioner standpoint where you're like, you filed a board complaint against me. I don't want to see you anymore. And you certainly would be well within your rights, and it's understandable. Most of the time, from what I've seen, a current client who's happy is not going to file a board complaint. There are certain exceptions, I think, where if you're treating a minor or you're treating someone else who has a guardian or a parent involved, if they're upset, they may be upset where the client themselves are not. That's different. That's more, I think that's rare. Most of the time, if a client is going to file a board complaint against you, it's about something you've done or not done. And usually, from what I've seen at least, there has already been ample documentation Of a dispute already happening, Mm -hmm. right? Whether it's, you know, a disagreement over payment, whether it's, you know, I don't feel like this is working, I'm not happy with your methods, you know, I don't think this is, you know, you're doing a good job, whatever it is. By the point that you get a board complaint, I, I feel like based on my own experience, you already probably have ample awareness of who this person is and, you know, if things have gone south.
1: Yeah, and I guess also adding to that, just remembering that a board complaint could be from a client, former client, but those board complaints can also be from someone in your workplace, from another colleague or yes. someone who's another professional.
2: That's, and that I want to touch on that in, in one second. I actually want to make one more point and I'm going to jump to your point, Melissa. The other thing to know is that you may not know immediately who filed the board complaint. You know, a lot of times, if there's an investigation going on, they, they they may not necessarily provide you that information right up front right away.
1: That's a lot um, of not knowing.
2: Right. There's a lot. There's a you know, and this is part of what well, feeds into that scariness. Like there's a lot of unknowns until you start kind of unraveling things and trying to figure things out. And again, that's where meeting with an attorney can help. Now, jumping to your point, in all as far as I know, I know in Maryland for sure, but I'm assuming based on just my own general knowledge on other states that in almost all ethical codes for licenses, if you're a practitioner, you have an ethical requirement to report unethical behavior, right? So if you know a practitioner, a fellow practitioner is doing something unethical or illegal, uh, you generally have a requirement to report that. So yes, it is possible. But that goes towards, again, towards you know the aspect of the come to Jesus talk, right? Because the reality is, if a fellow practitioner is going to report you, if they're being vindictive and there's no cause, it's going to get found out and probably get dismissed, and they might get into trouble. But more than likely, the average practitioner is not going to report their fellow practitioner unless they really think you've done something really truly unethical that's that's violated the principles of your profession. And in that case, let's be honest here, right? And this is again, like I said, the come to Jesus talk is be honest with me. If we're meeting. Like, why did this fellow practitioner? report you what did you do what happened tell me the story please don't leave any details out i need to know what's happening so i know how to defend how to how to work to defend you yeah right you know that's that's the general process now once you get the board complaint you meet with the attorney um i'm not going to go into specifics of how to respond because each case is different right but what i'll generally tell you is the attorney in my shoes like for example i'll reach out to the board you know, if they're saying we need these documents, I'll reach out to them to start working with them to figure out what we need to do to get it to them. I will start asking questions about, you know, what are the files like? They're, they're you know, a lot of times if it's a specific person and the board's saying, well, I want to see the, the files regarding this person, I'm going to ask questions about that file. Um, you'll want to start to gather information. Start getting your documentation or start figuring out what happened with regards to this this situation that triggered the complaint start getting your ducks in a row, start figuring out how you're going to respond. And above all else, you know, of course you want to make sure you're not harming your own legal rights, right? But you also want to make sure that you are responding timely. You also want to make sure that you are you know, cooperating with the board. If the board thinks that you are stonewalling them and you're intentionally not complying with them, they have the means to make your life very difficult. Including taking away your license, they can also, and we mentioned this on the last episode, if they think there's a criminal or civil matter, you know they can refer to the authorities, you can get sued, you know, in addition to whatever the board itself could do regarding your license. So this is serious, but again, I want to tell most you know tell, tell you guys who are listening that I think the majority of us will agree that day in and day out the average practitioner is not trying to do something unethical here, right. In the course of your career, it's it, it's just a, something that may happen. And the best thing you can do to get over it is get counsel, get someone to help you, figure out what you need to do, respond, get it dealt with. This is what I meant by earlier. Yes, yeah, scary, but don't let it paralyze you, prevent you from responding because the board will make sure if they want something, they're going to get it.
1: And if you're sitting there listening to this, feeling tense and anxious, go ahead and take a great deep Please. breath. Yeah. Or two right. and, breaths. And,
2: yeah. And that's the thing. Talking to someone, going to an attorney to talk about it can be really a big help, right? That's a big step because you're now taking action. You're saying, okay, I'm getting someone who can help guide me here, figure out what I need to do. Uh, and I've talked to many times with clients where once we start figuring out a plan of action, they feel a lot better about
1: things. And on that note, also making sure that you're taking care of your own mental health, your own emotional wellness during that process, as we said the other day. This can be a long, lengthy process, and you want to make sure that you're able to process and take care of yourself during a time, you know, when you're experiencing a lot of stress and dealing with this.
2: I've also found that as an attorney going towards to, to the board, when things have come up, that they are—I've the, the feeling I've gotten is that they are appreciative too, particularly when it's a situation where maybe someone hasn't done something wrong, but they're like, "Look, we are required to investigate this, so we're investigating it." Um, they are appreciative when you have someone like an attorney, or you're, or if you yourself are doing it. You know you're polite, you're respectful. You know you're not attacking, you're not antagonistic. You're saying, look, I know this has to be dealt with. I I, I understand you're doing your job. You know you have a conversation with them. You respond to them timely. You know, same as if you would, if you were pulled over a police officer, your hands are on the wheels. Yes, officer, I understand. But you're not escalating the situation. And that's the same thing with a board complaint. You don't want to escalate things. So yeah, that's what I would have to say.
1: Well, we hope that this was helpful in giving you the steps that you want to follow if ever there's a board complaint.
2: Now, your homework, the takeaway to all of you listening right now is that if tomorrow you were to get a subpoena, Or a board complaint, or even an audit, for example. Are your files ready? Are your ducks in an order? Okay. In in order, not in an order, in order. Okay. Do you have everything documented the way it should be? Right. I think most of you probably know secretly, deep down, you know the answer to this question. And probably in the back of your head, for those of you who are like, not really, you know that that's the case. And I am talking to you, the person who's saying, "Hmm, I'm not entirely sure that's not good enough. I need you to be sure. So yeah, some of you may say, yeah, I'm good. I know I'm ready to go. But the rest of you, what I need you to do is I want you to go back through. Every now and then, you should periodically be doing an audit of your own files. If you have people working for you, you should be auditing them their files periodically to make sure that they are doing things right, that files are being locked, that they're being signed off on, that the things that you are billing an insurance company to an insurance company for that those things are documented in the file. Okay. You know, if you haven't ever done that, now's the time to start doing it. If you find that there are things missing, if there are things wrong, you, you know, you need to do what you need to do. Fix it. Get it straight. Get it. Get your house in order, right? Start a, a program of compliance. Now going forward, where you are making sure that there are regular audits of the people working for you, or you are doing regular audits of your own work to make sure things are in place. So that, if on that day comes, you get a complaint or a subpoena or something, and so, uh, suddenly all of a sudden you're going to have to turn over files, think about how much less stressed you are going to be if you get this and you're like, okay, that's fine. I can handle this because I know for a fact that I've gone through my files. I know we are things are in order, so I am prepared to hand stuff over if I have to. And that's not scary to me that I don't know what they're going to find, right?
1: That's right. All right. So,
2: that wraps up our conversation for today. I do appreciate you guys joining us again. As I said, takeaway, take a look at what's going on with your own in your your own house. Get that figured out. To join the conversation further as always, please stop by our Facebook page or visit us on our website as always, protectingyourpractice.com. Please reach out, send us your thoughts, your questions, your feedback. If you have a story about a board complaint or if you have an interesting um anecdotes to tell us or an experience to share, we'd like to hear it. If we think it's really relevant, it's something we might even share on on the next on one of our podcast episodes. We want you to join us for our next episode. I'm actually really excited excited about it. I know Melissa is too. Now, it is spring. Okay? We are headed into summer. And yet, we still have COVID. Right? Which means that people want to be outside. They're tired of being cooped up. They're tired of being isolated. That probably is going to include your clients. Okay? which is why we are going to be talking about outdoor therapy, right? What it is, what are considerations you need to take into account, what are things to be aware of, what are forms, procedures, um, documents, consents you need to consider as well, all right? But thank, that's it for tonight. For today. Thank you for joining us, and uh, be well, my friend.
0: Thank you for listening to the Protecting Your Practice podcast. Be sure to visit ProtectingYourPractice.com to connect with us, continue the conversation, and access additional information. As a reminder, the information on this podcast does not constitute legal advice. Listeners should contact their own attorney or paid consultant for all decisions regarding their own practice.